That was awesome, worship team. That was a great way to start the new year. Every song they did, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite song. Oh, this is my favorite song. There were so many awesome ones this morning. Before we get into the word, we missed one announcement this morning. It's sitting right off, off to my left. This last week, I don't know the exact day, Eric and Tanner Pueller welcomed little baby Benson into the world. So, congratulations. That's exciting. As, I, as everybody's here, so everybody's very well. You going to sleep today or are you going to listen? He's ready to learn. Perfect. Well, I'm, without any more delay, welcome to our family room. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Uh, I want to just shout out to uh, thanks to Nick for sharing what the Lord laid on your heart last week. Uh, God was so thorough in explaining and defining his nature by revealing his many names through Scripture. And it, I appreciate that he met us, he meets us where we are. He's got a name. It's like, just so you know, this is who I am. And uh, we, we can say in our maybe a little bit cheaper English language, well, God is, he's my everything. Well, that's pretty cheap. But when you start looking through the actual names of God found in Scripture, we see that he does meet us wherever we are. He didn't stop there because if God was the supply to every lack, the answer to every question, but he wasn't with us, we'd still have a very good reason to worry and fear, not? He may be everything, but if we have no guarantee of his presence with us, then it's just, he's great being everything. But he went a step further and he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Jesus went ahead and sent his spirit to dwell within us and we are living in the realization of so many prophecies from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant that were fulfilled in the person of Jesus and we're now living in them. So thank you, Nick, for sharing the word last week. As we step into this new year, it's a season for review. I share this is the last weird Sunday. I struggled a little bit with the teaching because it's not a sermon like I normally like to feel comfortable with, with like three or four weeks worth of content and one message and everything. We're going to talk about a few things. Family rooms are where we talk about stuff. We are in this for the long haul. But as, I, as we came to the end of last year, uh, I don't know if any of you check your inboxes. I do every couple months just to see what all people have sent. And uh, it's amazing how many, how many annual renewal emails you get. Anybody else ever got an annual renewal? And I, I appreciate, I was reading through one, and I, I like that marketing has figured out that rather than have someone need to do anything to renew, they've said, you know what, let's just make it that they have to opt out. If you sign up for a 10-day trial of anything, you just signed up for automatic annual renewal unless you call in the National Guard to stop it. It is not an easy thing to get out of some of the things that we sign up for. But you know, we've figured out, it's like, you know what? If I sign Trey up for a membership to my welding club, I'm going to charge him 100 bucks a month. He can be a member of my welding club. And it's like, you know what? After a one-month trial... I want him to do anything to renew that subscription, there's a 0% chance he's going to renew it. He doesn't really want to weld. He has no real need for it. 
He maybe needed one thing welded. That's what started the whole membership. But then it's like, I don't really need this anymore. I'm not going to do, especially not if it requires keyboard time, right? If it's like, oh, I got to pick up the phone and call somebody, zero chance. doesn't matter how nice the thing is. If you got to put forth effort to re-like subscribe, that's way too difficult. So they're like, you know what? How about you sign up for a free 10-day trial, Trey? And in that, you just have to give me your credit card. Nothing will be charged. But unless you take a bunch of effort to cancel it, you've become a subscriber for life. Maybe we're the only people that are in that situation with things. Do you ever realize that you're subscribed to things that you have no use for and haven't for over a year? Show of hands, anybody? There's, okay, there's set nine, ten honest people in here. We signed up for stuff and it's like, do you know that we're still paying for this? Well, how do I not know that? Because it's just too simple. They're just like, well, it's already, it just annually renews. As I was thinking about this principle, over the last month and coming into the new year, there's a bazillion things that I want to share. I wanted to start like seven different sermon series, all of which will be started over the next seven years, but not this morning. I want us to stop and I invite us to look at this calendar change not just as an automatic renewal. So there's nothing in Scripture about the calendar change. I just get that out there. There's no like celebrate New Year's and read this passage. It's not in there. But we're representing heaven here. And here on earth, they do New Year's. They do a yearly, it starts over again. So while we are not necessarily called to be of this world, we are in it. And if we're actually going to be ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven, you know, if you signed up to be an ambassador for the United States and you were to move to some other country, there would be a measure of American culture you took to represent us, but there would also be a bit that you would fit into the culture of wherever you were. Amen. If you were to represent us in Italy, how many of you know you wouldn't eat cheeseburgers and steak every day? If you were in Italy, you'd get some pizza. You would get, I think they eat pizza in Italy. That's where it came from, at least, that you would eat some pasta. You would participate to a degree in the culture of where you were existing, where you were living. In the same way, we're here, we're participating in this culture. We're not of this world, but we are in it. And so in that, we're looking at the calendar change. You know, everybody does New Year's resolutions. And it's interesting that the word resolution, you know, it's resolute. There's a, there's a solid nature to it. And it's like, they're all done. This, I listened to a thing the other day, and they said that by the 5th of January, most resolutions are over. It's like, I think we need to study the definition of the word resolution. <laughs> if we're going to take a New Year, it's like, the idea is not like five days. It's like, I will be unmoved from this. And then Americans add for at least five days. I've started some things that were that way in my life. Not recently, but I have started some things that were like that. But I just invite us, as we step into this new year, and this morning, I want to invite each of you to take stock of things. Let's not just automatically renew. Let's not just automatically renew here at church. I'm grateful for everybody that's here. But don't let this just be a thing. It's like, well, yeah, we go to Revelation Rock because I don't know why. We go there on Sunday. They're there. They have decent coffee and the services are sometimes not long. That's not a good reason. When? When are they not long? Did anyone hear that? Occasionally they're not long. 
But as, as this year renews, let's take stock. I invite you to do this morning something, and this is a metaphor, but let's read the fine print. I got a renewal thing the other day, and I mean, I had already renewed and accepted whatever their new terms and conditions were, and then I'm like, what in the world did I just agree to? I signed the thing, click, I mean, not signed, but like, yep, of course I need this thing, whatever it was, of course I need it. Wait a second. I mean, that could have been pages. I might have just given them everything. I have no idea. This morning, let's take stock. Let's read some fine print. Let's happen to this next year, not, this, not allow this next year to happen to us. Let's be intentional this morning. We, did, we already did a part of this, but I want to stop and think, how did we get here? It's important to know how we got here. There's been some amazing people have invested a tremendous amount in this body. And not everybody got to stand this morning. There's a whole bunch of you that are financial partners with this body. And we thank Jesus for you. Because all of this stuff doesn't just happen. It's not just, it's people. It's people giving. It's people giving their time. There's a bunch of people that meet. They go to meetings. Meetings that, I mean, there's meetings about meetings sometimes, which isn't always necessarily godly, but they happen and they need to, we got to keep moving with this thing. And so there's a lot of things that nobody sees on Sunday. There's a lot of donations, people giving, partnering with us financially. There's a lot of people that pray for this church body that have never or not often been here. Did you know that? A lot of people don't know that. There's people that I talk to almost weekly that are in prayer every week for this body, specifically, Revelation Rock. That's a big deal. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. It will amount to a lot when people pray, even for us. There's a lot. How did we get here? There's a lot of people that spent time in the word, discerning, and dividing rightly the word of truth. So thank you. Everybody, if you're listening, if there's a handful of people that listen to the podcast that aren't here all the time, thank you. Thank you for participating in making this body happen. We're going to continue. We're stepping into this next year with plans to build. That was fun. It's like plans, and everybody's just like, "Mm, what, Mm, what now? What now? Where? When? How? We're planning to build on the foundation that we have, that you guys have helped lay. That's a big deal. When I think back, when I stop, I spent last weekend with my family away. It was a great weekend away. Thank you all for that. It was a gift. But I spent time taking stock, thinking of how we got here. And I think of all the different times in the last 15 years of my life where people intervened, people said things, people called me, people texted me, people reached out to me, showed up at my house, met with me, um, encouraged me, that were ultimately course-changing for me. They didn't know it. Most of them didn't know it maybe a handful of them, maybe one or two, but little words that were spoken. Whether it was in your backyard when I stopped to look at a project and we were talking and you exchanged something that turned out to be encouraging information that I took home and ran with for a year. I think about all the things that this body has, in, has went through 
and engaged with some of the things we can look back and say, well, that was a net loss. And then we see the Lord come along and do his thing with it and make something beautiful and make something good. And when I look from this side all the way around to this side, I'm like, you know, in the, in the Rocky movies, there gets to be a point, you know, the whole the premise of the Rocky movies is that he almost doesn't make it and then he comes back awesome. It's like sometimes it almost doesn't make it in the ring. Sometimes it almost doesn't make it as an athlete, whatever. But I think about when he's like, he's standing in the corner, maybe a little bloodied, maybe a little beaten. He's got his arms on the, the ropes and he's like, I, but he's still standing. And in some ways, I think about, man, we are still standing. And that's reason to be excited. Like, we're still here. There's people that the world had in body bags that are here right now. Like body bags, the physical ones. And they're here. You can shake their hands if you want. That's amazing. That's a, everyone's quiet. That's exciting. Thank you, Jesus. There are people that are alive physically today that medicine said, ain't no hope, ain't coming back for that one. And now it's like, well, they're just helping lead worship and doing stuff here. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's amazing, church. I'm excited about that stuff. There's relationships that the Lord's like, everybody just hold on. I'll work on this one. And two, three, four, five years later, we're here. Isn't that amazing? That's, I'm excited and you all need to get excited. Does everybody need more coffee? There's coffee in the back. I'm excited about this. We're going to continue to build on this. I want us to look back. I want us to take stock of where we've been, not to exist there, but because there's been mistakes made. How many of you know I've made some mistakes? Tom, keep your hand down. Everybody knows I've made a few mistakes. I'm first to admit that. There's been mistakes made in this body. We've made, we have missed things. I don't want to miss them again. I want to catch it. I want to be on the spot to the degree that I'm able. I appreciate grace when I make mistakes. But as I look back, there's some mistakes. There's a lot to be thankful for. As I look forward, I'm like, Lord, this is going to be an amazing year. It is our mission here at Revelation Rock to cultivate discipleship. We aren't doing that just perfect yet. I just want everybody to know I'm not like standing up here like, We've been doing such a great job. We're working on it. We're learning. We got new things we're going to try. We got, if you got some ideas, suggestions, you want to participate, we want to have participate with you. We want to cultivate discipleship. We want to administer the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost world around us. We want to administer it. Not, I think minister gets such a, like, collar flipped up picture where it's like holier than thou. We want to administer it. Just like, you know, uh, you get, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of a, there's, you get you, you infomercials for things, and it's like, well, you peel back this, and then you administer this, like for a cut, you get like, oh, you put this on, and then you put, and it's like fake skin, so this is how you administer. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be better than anybody else. What you have to have is you got to have the thing and the instructions. We have the gospel with the instructions. We can go administer to the, the gospel to anyone and everyone who is hurting. Every person that is in here this morning is capable of administering the gospel. You say, whoa, boy. I don't know a lot of Bible verses. Do you know the gospel? Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, you are equipped. If you think you're not super equipped, 
If you do not have a Bible, I will get you a Bible. You will be equipped in not real long. You don't need to know a lot. You need to know, peel this back and apply. We need to know the gospel. We're going to cultivate the gospel in our discipleship, and we're going to go administer it to the lost world around us. But we're going to do so with the support and the encouragement of a healthy body of believers. And I see that already happening. There's a bunch of what I'm going to share this morning that you're all going to be like, well, I think we're doing that. Absolutely. A bunch of it we are. A bunch of it we need to grow. A bunch of it we're going to keep growing. Some of the stuff we're doing really good, we're going to be doing better a year from now. The things where you're like, we are killing it in that area. Yeah, wait until 12 months has passed and we'll be killing it even more. The gospel that we administer will change the world. You know that? You know we're not called to just... When, when salt enters a dish of food, it doesn't leave it the same. Do you know that? You all know that because you've all grabbed for the salt shaker. Anybody ever been to a Mexican restaurant and you go for the chips and there's no salt and you're like, I need to salt them babies. And how many of you know the chips aren't the same after you salt them? Thank you, Jesus. They taste like chips. And then you can dip them and, and you like the, I like to scoop the ones with the salt. And then scoop the salsa. You got to scoop it right though or you'll lose the salt in the salsa. We are called to be salt to this world. We're not called to leave this world the same. So when we're, we were born, each of us in here was born on a certain day and we came to know Jesus and then we're going to leave this life. One way or another, we're not going to be on here on this planet the way it currently is forever. When we leave it, how many of you know it's called to be different? We're, we're called to leave it different. Just like the chips with the salt. It's like they ain't supposed to be the same. If you salt the chips and then you take a bite of them and they're not working right, either it's your tongue or the salt. Something's not right. They're supposed to change it. We're supposed to alter the, the DNA of the world around us by being believers. By the, This gospel will do that. We don't have to go out with self-help classes. We have, Self-help class are fine. I'm not bashing on self But that's not what we're called to do as believers. We're called to carry the gospel. And I'm telling you, church, the gospel of Jesus Christ will free people from things you didn't even know they were was holding them down. The gospel of Jesus will change the world. It'll change our children. The good news of Jesus will change the way we parent and we'll raise our children. Our children will change our schools. The gospel will change our schools. It'll change our communities. It'll change our workplaces. The gospel will change the DNA of your family. One person gets born again and you get unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your family will never be the same. You think the lottery will change your family? You haven't met Jesus yet. Jesus will change your family. Most people that win the lottery within a little while, they're bankrupt, broke, upside down, six ways from Sunday on debt. You get born again though, now you're changing it generationally. You share that gospel to somebody that you know, that you interact with, and their life and their culture and their family will change. The gospel of Jesus Christ knows no boundaries and it's never been defeated. That's amazing. That is amazing. We will take almost anything in life that's like an 85 to 90% success rate. It's like, well, that's pretty good. It's like, go to meet with your investment person. And they're like, this particular fund will do 14%, 80% of the time. Like, all of my money in that, 80%? 
The gospel has a 100% success rate. You know that? You've, no one's ever believed in the gospel and not been born again. Nobody's ever believed in the gospel and not had their life changed. And I'm not asking any of us to sit and be the judge of somebody and say, well, have you, if you got born again on Tuesday, you know, it's Wednesday afternoon, how come your life doesn't look different? That's not your job. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let the gospel work, and it will every single time. Paul called it the power in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, the gospel, and the gospel alone is the power of God unto salvation for how, who all? Everyone who believes. That's awesome, and that is good news. We are called, that's part of our DNA. Part of the DNA of Revelation Rock is that gospel being the power of God unto salvation. It's everywhere, 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 everywhere. Every message, you will very seldom be here and not be able to hear something about the gospel. Hopefully never. Occasionally we get into the weeds and stuff, but our call is the gospel. It's the gospel every week. The good news of Jesus every week. Ours is not a mission of numerical growth. If you are here for numerical growth, it has been awesome having you. I hope you enjoy wherever you're going next. Ours is not a mission of numerical growth. <gasps> well, that, I just, that maybe stings a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying that to offend anyone. I'm saying we got to know what our job is. We got to know what our purpose is. I am not into like um, catch the catch word Christianity. Like whatever the new word is. I spent a long time uh, and I traveled and I'm not down on anyone. I went to quite a few leadership conferences over the years and Christian leadership, church leadership, different things. And it's interesting. I learned a lot of things. One thing I learned is Christians, man, we love buzzwords. Don't we? Some of you got to think about, we love things like we want to be relevant Oh, that was like 10 years ago, but the church wanted to be relevant. It's like, let's be relevant. Define relevant. Well, you know, like relevant. It's like, we want to we be relevant. Well, I want to be relevant too, but I want to know what it means. I'm not in, we're not a church of buzzword believers. Okay? It's, we're into discipleship. It's a little deep sometimes. Sometimes we get into stuff and it's like, where are we going with this? And we'll find Jesus in the story of Joshua. We'll find Jesus all throughout Scripture. We're going to look for the gospel, but we are not going to be buzzword believers. I'm not mad at anybody that is, but like we're we're shooting for depth. We're not shooting for numerical numbers. You know, this is fun. And Tom and, and a Trey, a handful of you have heard a few of my frustrations with this, but we're not called to lure people into our building and to into our coffers. That's a freeing thing. Like I feel like I just sat down. <sighs> the Great Commission is not lure all the people into your churches. There's freedom in that. Because when I love the word lure because it pictures, it's, it's, it's a picture of fishing. And it's like, we got to use the right lure. Nobody's biting, nobody's, oh, we got to get a different lure. Oh, we put a different, shinier one on. We put that in. We got to put one that moves more on. And that's such a great picture of how easy, that's an easy thing to fall into. We can, like, well, what are we doing? Do we need perhaps more going on, more excitement? Well, it's like, well, you got a few more people with the more excitement, but you know what? Maybe we need a quieter AC system. It's like, we'll get that. We got a few more people with that. It's like, let's keep casting. and re That's not our job. 
you know what our commission is? And I, I was sitting down, and now I stood back up. For those of you that ever drove a four-wheel drive vehicle from the 80s or before, the shifter's on the floor. Everybody reach down and put it in four high. Because our job is to go. Is to go into all the world. Making disciples. It is, not a message, it is not a gospel of come ye into all the churches. It is a message of go ye into all the world. We gotta be equipped. Our job here is to equip each other. It's to sharpen one another. It's to nurture one another. It's to minister to each other so that we can reach down, put it in four-wheel drive, and go to wherever God has called us to with confidence. Because if, you if you're not confident, nobody's gonna believe you. I've got a few friends who are salesmen. They're great guys. They love the Lord. And you know one thing they do not lack? And they're good salesmen. These guys, they're not like, these guys aren't like, well, I, like I'm in sales, but I was like, do you want to buy a car? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to buy a car. It's not, like, not salesmen like that. It's not salesmen where they sit in their tiny little office with this like smoky haze on the walls. It's like, I don't know. I guess nobody wants to buy what we're selling. No, no, these guys are good. And these guys, no grass grows under their feet. These guys are moving. You pick up the phone any given day of the week and you call these guys. Where are you at? What are you doing? Well, I'm going here. I just met with these people. I'm going here to meet with these people. I'm going there to meet with those people. And hang on, I got a call coming in. Hello? Hey, yes, we can help you with whatever you need. This is sale. They're going all the time. And they do not lack confidence. As believers, I'm not talking about false confidence, and I'm not talking about arrogance. Neither one of those have any place in the body of believers. But as we grow in understanding the gospel that we've been entrusted with, the natural, automatic byproduct of that is confidence. If you know, if you know your life story, just stick a pin in this whole service for a second. You know your whole life story, not the church version. You know your whole life story. The part that nobody else knows about, that you don't talk about, even at small group or men's group or church camp, or the part where it's like, well, I'm not going to talk about that with anybody. There's like seven of us in here that have that. But a few people, you know what I mean? You talk about all that. You know your whole life story, your doubts, your fears, your struggles, your losses, your anxieties, the things that you, the proclivity to things that you have, you know all that stuff, and you know that Jesus loved you, and Jesus died for you, and Jesus met you where you are, and he said, I'm going to redeem your life from the pit. I want you, if you're blind, open your eyes and see. That's how much, he, I'll die for you. And you know all of that, you know the, the one side of the coin, which is all of the not great of your life that was, wasn't perfect, and then you know Jesus' love and redemption for you, it's like, I, yeah, how am I not confident? It's like he, he doesn't have a beginning, he has no end, and he loves me eternally. Well, every, you know one thing, this is good news, every single thing that will come against you in this earthly life, every single thing, thing is temporary. There is not one that is not temporary. Every diagnosis has an expiration date. 
Every bad relationship, every difficulty, every struggle, every addiction, every, every single thing that will come against you in this life is temporary. But the gospel is eternal. Your God is eternal and has an eternal love for you. That's amazing. And that exudes confidence. You want to know, what does a confident Christian look like? I'm not real sure. Don't look at any of us. We're still learning. We're working. But read some of Paul's writings. You'll see what a confident Christian looks like. Confident in who Jesus is. Confident in the things that we are to do. Confident in the things that we aren't to do. Not, in a, not as a means of condemning someone else, but as a means of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and directing in our own hearts. Our commission is to go. It's to go into all the world. Well, that's exciting, but this world can be tough. This world can wreak havoc on lone wolves. I know a few people who love the Lord, and they don't really like people that much. And so they walk in a lone wolf model. This isn't to bring any condemnation on anybody, but this world's tough. It's even tougher when you're by yourself. This world's not fixed. It's not, we talked about it this morning. It's not God's doing that the world's not fixed. That's our deal. (laughs) There's adversity, there's hardship, there's people and spirits that come against us. Truthfully, Life can just be situationally difficult. It's fun to blame everything on Satan, but there's some that are just situational difficulties. Stuff is just hard sometimes. But Jesus knew this. Jesus wasn't like, I have no idea. I was, I'm so surprised these guys are struggling. <laughs> like, no, I'm not surprised. He knew this world was hard. He endured this world Facing this world alone can wear you down. It'll chew us up. It'll spit us out. It will lure us. And this is one of the most dangerous things. It can lure us into echo chambers that are nearly impossible to find our way out of. When you are alone in this life, when we walk this path of life alone, it is very, very possible. If not, I would say, dare say likely that you will find yourself in an echo chamber where all you hear is the things that you think. You can surround yourself with external voices that aren't a part of your world that just say what you want to hear. And in this day and age, it's super easy. You find a podcast, oh, they're saying what I like. I'll listen to that. Oh, they said something I don't like. I'm going to unfollow that guy. I'll find somebody else. And we can, you can spiral into an echo chamber and all you hear is, and all you hear is things that are not necessarily based in Scripture Some of them might have roots here and there, but they're not based in Scripture. Super dangerous. And it's impossible to find your own way out of these. What happens, what can happen when we try to lone wolf this life? You know what I mean by lone wolf? Just go out on your own. It's like, I don't really need, I'm not going to, even if, you know there's lone wolves that go to church every Sunday. (gasps) That's uncomfortable. Because we're at church and it is Sunday. There's lone wolves that go to church, but we got all the walls. We got them. 
Everything's nice, tidy. We got the smiley face painted on with the little googly eyes smiling on the outside. And we walk in, and it's like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We're here to church. But we're still operating as a lone wolf. What gradually often happens to lone wolf believers is life forces us to the bench or the gutter. So, you guys have a wonderful New Year's. <laughs> Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. And he said, I'm going to send my spirit so that they'll never be alone. And then he gave his first disciples, the ones that we take the model of discipleship from, he gave them ins repeated instructions to love one another as he loved them. And it's interesting, Martin and I were talking for a few minutes this morning, and he, mentioned, he reiterated the importance of knowing Jesus. Everything in this life as a believer flows from that place of knowing Jesus. So how did Jesus lead his disciples? He didn't call them. It's like, hey, you guys want to be disciples on a Tuesday? And by Thursday, he's like, all right, you guys good to go? You know what you're doing? Knock it out. Knock it out of the park. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, are we supposed to talk to everybody or just, I mean, how, how do we do miracles? Do we, how do, what, do we, what do we say if somebody says they don't believe us? What do we do if they stone us? Should we run? Should we be stoned? What do, I, I'm not sure how to do No, you know what Jesus did? He says, you, you, and you, come and follow me. Like, okay, we'll go. Let's go. We'll follow him. And after a few miles, you're like, what are we doing? We're just walking. And then we talk to random people that maybe are uncomfortable. I'm not sure, Jesus, is this? Why are you talking to that woman? She's a Samaritan. You don't talk to Samaritan. Okay, he wants to talk to her. I guess we'll talk. And they walked with Jesus for years. And they got to know him. So that in John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, I want to read this. And this is familiar. This isn't something that we're not, we're very familiar with both these passages that we're going to look at this morning. John chapter 13, picking up in verse 31 reads, now, this is the night of Jesus' betrayal. He's going to be crucified the next day. This is amidst the last words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples before crucifixion. These next few chapters is Jesus' last night with them. It's important stuff. If you and I had the chance and we knew, hey, you know what, this is my last night to speak to people, we'd say some important, we wouldn't say things like, you know what, I don't really like the new creamer from some creamer. It's like, no, what? I don't care about coffee. This is my last night. I want, I want to talk to him about important, eternal relationship things. So keep that in mind when we start here. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified with him. If God is glorified, am I in John 13 here? Yes. Verse 32, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children... I love that he's, he's addressing his disciples. He's like, little children. They've been following him as children follow their parents. Little children, I'll be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now, because I'm fixing to leave, 
This is real important that you understand this. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That word love, you know, I love our English language. See there, I just did it. I use love, 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 and I love our English language. It's a, it's a cheap language. It's the only one I know, so I'm going to keep preaching in it, but it is a pretty cheap language. That word, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, that is the active form of agape love in the Greek. It's not phileo love. 99% of what we as humans deal with when we talk about love is phileo. It's, it's brotherly love. It's I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. God's kind of love is like, I'm just going to scratch your back. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't earn it. I know. I'm just going to scratch your back. I don't deserve it. I'm going to scratch your back anyways. You don't know where I've been. Yes, I do. I'm still going to scratch your back. That's agape love. And that's what Jesus had practiced with his disciples. He spent three and a half years loving these guys unconditionally, showing up for them when he shouldn't have, bailing them out when he maybe wouldn't have had to, ministering to them, answering their questions, answering their deepest concerns, answering their arrogant competition questions, meeting them where they were over and over and over and over again. He showed up for them. All the way through, we're not to it yet, but eventually he follows this up. He says, love each other as I have loved you. And then he follows up after the resurrection and he shows up and loves them that way again. He fixes them breakfast. Like, you guys don't deserve us here. I'm gonna fix breakfast for you, and I'm going to love you. Unconditionally, in action, love for one another. This is what Jesus left us because everything we just talked about, we've got this great commission to go into all the world, but the world can be hard. We've got this calling to share the gospel with people, but people are mean. This, this life's not fixed yet. Things happen. Spirits come against us. People come against us. Life comes against us. Circumstances come against us. We find ourselves in echo chambers of our own making. We can wind ourselves into a real mess. I've done that twice. Danny, thank you for the laughter. Everyone else believed the two times until you laughed. I can wind myself up into all kinds of little balls. Maybe you can relate to that, where you've gotten yourself into, and usually the interesting thing is when we wind ourselves up into these things, do you know what's usually at the center? <laughs> me. In my life, it's me. In your life, it's you. It's usually me. I'm at the center, and I wind everything around me, and it's like, ah, this is alarming, and I'm in the middle of it. But because of all of this, Jesus sent his spirit so we could be one with him. We're not gonna, we don't have time to look at that. In John chapter 17, that passage, John 17, 20 through 26, it talks about that they all may be one. This is Jesus' prayer for us as believers, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that you also may be one, they also may be one in us. The world may believe that you sent me. He goes on and talking about it's important that we be made perfect as one. Jesus knew this world was going to be difficult. As we, as we lock horns with 2024, we're in it now. 
Most people's, like I talked about in the beginning, most people's New Year's resolutions, they're over. They're history. We're in the 2024. This is the first Sunday, but we're in it for a few days now. How are we going to engage this year? How are we going to engage our culture? Let's carry the gospel from a position of confidence because we understand the gospel. And I invite you as a body of believers, this is not the most comfortable thing, but I invite you to walk with each other. Because it's really difficult to go get somebody out of an echo chamber you don't know they're in. You know that? It's difficult for you to be able to see it, but it's also difficult for them to be able to receive it. In this body, we've got, I mean, we can all do a pretty good Sunday morning face. Like I think most of us can do a pretty good Sunday morning face. But there's a lot of, there's a lot, if we took our Sunday morning face off and we just came, like, there's a lot of hurting people in this body. And what's, what's so neat as we start this new year and as we have this honest, frank conversation is we are the solution that God sent for that. You're born again, and I'm born again. You can minister to me, and the Lord sent you to. I'm born again, and you're born again. I can minister to you. But if I don't know you, if we don't walk a few miles together, it's really difficult for me to speak into your life. Can I get an amen? It's hard. It's hard to receive from somebody that hasn't done some time with you that doesn't know the paths that you walk, the struggles that you have. So I invite you, as we step into this year, this agape love in action, this unconditional love that Jesus gave his disciples to practice with each other, I invite you, step into this year and look for that with each other. We did this earlier where everybody stood up, we appreciated everybody. Think about those people. If you want right now, take a minute and swivel your heads. Don't look at me. Look around. Look at everybody that's a part of your body. How can you connect with them? How can you walk? This is, life is so much better when we're walking the path together. I am, I am truly excited for this year. I'm excited we're going back to the basics in the next few weeks. We're going back to what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. We got a lot of fun things. Tom's got a few things that are on his heart to share. We got some guest speakers that are coming. We've got really, really good things coming in this next year. I'm excited about it. And it's going to be so much better if we can walk together, if we can reach out a helping hand, if we can reach out a listening ear. That's hard, isn't it? Does anybody else struggle with that? Where it's like, it's a little, it's real easy for me to pick up the phone and call Trey and tell him, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm struggling with this. Well, you need to do this, 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 and this. Like, well, that doesn't bless him or me. But if I can pick up the phone and say, what's going on? And he can tell me, I say, oh, tell me more about that situation. That's a difficult, that's a difficult situation. Help me understand where you're at. Well, now all of a sudden he's like, do you have time for that? Well, buddy, I better. That's what, this, that's what doing this life together is all about. I am, 
I am excited as we've taken this morning just a few minutes, and it's not real long, but I invite you over the next week, read the fine print, renew your subscription to walk as brothers and sisters in Christ. The community we have here is deep, and I'm excited to see it grow deeper. I'm excited for all the ways that we will be able to love and serve each other and draw together as one. We just touched on that a little bit in John 17, but draw together as one with the Father. The Spirit is in us. If you're here today and you're born again, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit draws us together, and it'll draw, He will draw us as one with the Father. If you would stand with us, I'd like to dismiss with a declaration this morning. Turn it on. Hang on. Oh, maybe it's on. It's on. Hey, can I share real quick before Isaac goes in declaration? He has no clue what our 20-something group talked about Thursday night. Not an ounce. And I think it's hilarious because the Holy Spirit is that fun. He was talking about cliche Christianity words. And when he was talking about it, I got the Holy Spirit dropped one word into my heart. And it's for all of us in here. Authentic. Amen. You be the authentic self and who you are in him, and you walk that out, trusting him, being authentic. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to be your neighbor. You be you. And we put our parts together. It's amazing what falls out. It is actually just a little bit of work on our part because we just, we're just listening and stepping. But the rest, he's done. Because the gospel's that finished. It's that's finished. What are you believing for today? Do you believe that the work on the cross was that complete? And so, then, so the funny thing is that the title for our group on Thursday night was, that's the bottom line. Who knows Stone Cold Steve Austin? Gressler. That's the bottom line. That was the title for our group Thursday night. And what's the bottom line for us as Christians? What is it? Isaac touched on it. And Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, it says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. What's sincere faith? Believing that what the work on the cross was finished, was finished, and it's complete and whole. I'm trusting in that gospel that it's complete and whole, and I'm going to walk it out in my authentic self, loving on my brothers and sisters, watching when the Lord tells me to go and step. Guess what happens? The good conscience. The rest falls off because you're being who you're called to be, not something you're not. Be you this morning. When you walk out that door and the week comes at you, be you. Don't be Ben. You be you. Ben's going to be Ben. You be you. Fair enough? Now it's yours. Thanks, Isaac. Oh, I appreciate it. Authenticity is absolutely important. It's we got this this body here. If we're gonna if we're gonna do this as believers, we gotta be able to handle authenticity. I think a lot of times we shy away from authenticity because it's like ah they can't. It's like I don't want to. If I'm completely transparent with Joel, like number one, he's gonna he may leave the rock. Number two, he may like he's gonna think differently of me. He's not going and. Our brotherhood in Jesus has got to be strong enough for us to be able to be transparent. I'm not talking about advertising our stupidity. That's not what I'm getting at at all. But I'm talking about being confident with our relationships so that we can be authentic with our struggles. It's the only way that we're going to help each other. 
If no one knows you're falling, I promise you, no one's coming to help you. We gotta be able to be transparent. If you, you're standing, I'd like to dismiss us with a declaration. Here at Revelation Rock, we declare that this will be a year that we walk in the favor of God. Thank you, Jesus. There is nothing greater than the presence of God in our lives. There is nothing higher than the calling of God. And there is nothing that can overcome the promises of God. It's because of these realities, not these ideas, church, these realities that we walk from this place with the boldness of lions, carrying the eternity-altering gospel of Jesus Christ to our world, hand-in-hand with Jesus at the peaceful pace of a walk. We know that this world is not fixed. It's full of difficulty. But the greater reality is that we are children of the Most High God. We are kings and priests of a royal generation, and we declare with the Apostle John that greater is he who is within us than he who is in the world. Bow with me if you would. Father, I thank you so much for this gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the reality that it is in each of our lives. Father, I just pray that we would grow in understanding that reality, that the weight and the power of the gospel would propel us into this year, that we would carry it with honor, with dignity, and with boldness to our world around us, that we would take our commission seriously, not as a uh, cheap fire insurance policy, but Father, we would understand that this is the greatest commission we've ever been given as a human, is to believe in Jesus and to carry that gospel to the world. Father, I thank you for the brothers and sisters that are part of this body. I pray for boldness. I pray for peace. And as Tom just shared and encouraged, I pray for authenticity, that we would be bold in our authenticity with brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we would be graceful as we receive that authenticity. Father, I just pray, I just pray the blessing of Abraham over this body. I'm so thankful to be here in 2024 carrying the gospel, encouraging each other, and looking for the next thing that you have for us. We thank you so much for your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful week.